Welcome to the Pending Accommodation Podcast. I'm KJ Pilcher, joined by Dick Briggs, ready to talk a little high school and college wrestling this afternoon. Uh, are you hunkered down? Uh, Ice Storm 2023 is on its way. Are you ready with uh, some salt and chipper? I've actually I went out early today, about nine o'clock, and there was it was just raining, it's kind of sprinkling, hardly anything. And I then I had to go out about an hour and a half later, and I thought, ah, oh, nothing's changed. So I backed out of my car and slid down my driveway, which is on a slope, and went, oh boy, <laughs> yeah. definitely ice. Wow. wow. Yeah, uh, I think we're staying indoors here for the day. Schools are canceled and and stuff, but uh, uh, we'll avoid the elements as much as we can here the next 24 hours. So I guess I don't least- mind snow. I don't like ice. I was just going to say, at least we're not getting two feet of snow like uh, up in uh, uh, the Twin Cities area, huh? Yeah, and I heard uh, somebody I ran into from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, we're supposed to get two feet. They were supposed to get two feet of snow. That's what they said in Twin Cities area. And- really? So, yeah. Luckily, we're not we're not having to dig out of that here later. Knock on wood. But um, as my wife pointed out, as Chris pointed out, uh, better now than trying to drive home and it uh, Saturday night from the state wrestling tournament, um, which we've had some. Uh, uh, crazy situations coming back from uh, Wells Fargo arena in the past. So we avoided it this year, just got it a few days late, which is, which is fine. Um, but, you know, we had, uh, we had a great uh, uh, state tournament at Wells Fargo arena. Um, you know, we had some history being made, some exciting matches that delivered that we, uh, we thought would, um, and some pretty impressive team performances down there as well. Um, you know, I, I guess uh, uh, first thoughts, what did you th- what did you think about uh, the expanded field? And have you heard from anybody uh, that talked about, you know, having 24 wrestlers per bracket and uh, kind of ha- having uh, – you know, kind of an extra day of, of competition. Right. I, I really haven't ran into anyone that uh, at least we haven't conversed about it. Uh, so I, I'm thinking people are all right with it. Uh, I don't know why they wouldn't be. I was just thinking to myself, you know, before we went on air, kind of the progression, at least in my lifetime, of how the state meet has changed. Like in the early 60s, they only had four, four medalists. And I don't know, I think the brackets might have only been eight, maybe. I, I don't remember back then. And then in the early 70s, when I was in school, all three years that I was in high school, the, the bracket was different. They were kind of tinkering with it. So we'd have three qualifiers from each district. It was a two-day district. And uh, and um, then the, the district was actually bigger than the state bracket. And oh, wow. And uh, so, you know, the, the, the district champions did not have a first round match, just like now. And then, of course, it went to 16 man for the longest time. And now this year, 24 with the top eight seeds getting a, a bye first round, which makes the state tournament a little bit tougher. So, you know, it used to be that you had to win two matches to be a medalist. Front side, back side, combine those two and you're a medalist. Now, 
you can actually win four matches and not bring home a medal. So uh, it's uh, it's it's changed the dynamics on the backside certainly. If you're if you're a top eight seed and you uh, so you get a bye first round, then basically you're wrestling one match a day. So you get one on on Wednesday, one on Thursday, one on Friday, one on Saturday. If you stay on the front side, if you go to the back side, then look out because you've got a lot more matches. So. Yeah. And you know, that was, uh, uh, I, I think where you saw that, uh, Colin, Colin Falk of, uh, Cedar Rapids Kennedy, who, uh, wrestled back and made the award stand. Uh, he had eight matches over that, uh, uh, span and that that's uh i think he won his first match maybe uh lost in the second second round um and then had to battle all the way back uh uh to earn his medal so um i think that's where you know i was asked on the radio yesterday about you know kind of my my thoughts of the the expanded field and you know things seem fairly normal or or similar to the same as the past, except on that consolation side, like you were talking about. And, you know, if you drop down there in the early rounds, that is a grind. That's a gauntlet that you have to run really to earn to get back into the top eight. Colin Falk uh, uh, did it for sure as, as some others did, but um, I think that's just the biggest difference when it comes to, you know, if if you stub your toe early, you've got a battle and and almost had a little bit more of an NCAA feel like uh, uh, to it um, compared to how it used to be with 16, uh, 16 wrestler brackets. And, uh, you know, you just have to go, you could go two and three and still make the, the stand. Right. And uh, tell me about this, KJ, with the, uh, uh, because you've got your each each class now has its own break, and particularly at semifinals. Whereas you know, it used to be all three classes came in for the semifinals. They had four semifinal matches going, which was I hated that. It's my favorite round, and you've got two weights going at the same time. For, you know, and uh, uh, you know, so I'm glad that they pared that down to just two mats during semifinals. But then, was there an overlap at all with the with the uh, with the uh, classes between classes with, you know, I don't know, fans or teams or whatever. As, as far as the semifinals go. No, throughout the course of the tournament. Sorry. Oh, no, there, there's no overlap that, um, you know, uh, until Saturday morning, um, you know, how they kind of run things there. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, there there's no real overlap. I really liked how they they changed the uh, the logistics to the semifinals, where they dropped down to six mats uh, instead of eight, and they didn't go to the next semifinal till both were finished. Um, also, kind of like an NCAA feel to it. Um, you know, they had some uh, like video. You know, they had pictures of each semifinalist up on the big uh, big board uh, overhead to really highlight and, and put a spotlight on those semifinalists. As you said, it's it's just it's an exciting round and and some elements are even as exciting as Saturday night. Um, 
really. So, you know, I think they, I think they really produced the semifinals well and, and really highlighted them. And uh, the fact that it was, you know, like you said, not, you know, four mats and next available mat going right into the next semifinal match. Uh, really did they really did a nice job of highlighting those kids right I, my i i think four days is a long time to be down in des moines so i don't know if they can condense it to three i don't know if they, they even want to but you know as a as a fan as a coach former coach you know I, I just think that's a long time to be down in des moines um i mean i guess that you know the option is the other option is to be back in school so if you ask the kids they <laughs> down in des moines but, but uh, you know, so I, I don't know if they could even do that schedule wise, or if it would overlap. And you know, I do they when they're you know cleaning the arena out with one group and bringing the other one in, sort of thing. You know. Well, we'll see. And that that was the one issue. I wasn't sure if maybe that's what you were asking about. Uh, I can't remember if it was the quarterfinal round on Thursday or when, but you know, a two A session ran long. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Here, I think it was like. I think it was like 5.15, you know, you're waiting for – you have that that one heavyweight match that goes 1-1 in the tiebreakers or, or whatever, you know, when the, the all the other mats are shut down and you've got one and, you know, about 30 people left in the arena watching this final match um, finish up. Uh, you had that instance with 2A – and they were beyond the, you know, they were supposed to be in that break before 3A and having the 3A fans come in. Well, he still had a match going on. So yeah. that, I think they only had like 30 minutes to get things done and be able to let fans back in for 3A session that followed. So um, that was one of the times I know of for sure that, uh, there is an issue because that time in between sessions is a lot shorter than it than it has uh, it has been at least on Wednesday and Thursday they're shorter. I think they expanded that a little bit closer to ninety minutes instead of sixty on Friday. But well, and uh, since we started off talking about weather, let's go back to it. If you if it's a nice weather day, it's not an issue. If it's a day like yeah. today, ice and you know and uh, sleet, then yeah. That, you know, with the crowd standing out there, that's more of an issue. But that's what you get at the state wrestling. One day can be, you know, sunny and 50 and then T-shirt weather. And the next day can be with your jacket and the in sub-zero weather. Well, Thursday was blizzardish uh, condition, conditions uh, there. They had uh, quite a bit of snow and uh, it was kind of uglier early, but not too bad. Temperatures weren't terrible for the majority of the time. So... They're lucky there. And I, and I want to give a kudos to the Iowa High School uh, Athletic Association in that the semifinals and finals were both uh, free. You could watch them on TV. I watch the semifinals on my computer and then the finals on on, uh, on my television. So I mean, I'm, I'm sure you probably do that on some house. Anyway, so I, you know, kudos to them for not, you know, for taking care of that. And, and uh, mm -hmm. it was simple. I just went to their site and clicked on it and and uh, it was not that big of a deal, so. Yeah, I, I think they, they made it a lot more accessible um, in some of those rounds than 
than the last few years. So some of the teams, KJ, uh, we kind of expected to have. A, a, I mean, I kind of expected one A and three A to be a pretty tight team race uh, before it started, and it ended up not being that way. So uh, a couple of teams really stepped up and shined. Yeah, you know, uh, I tell you what. Let's start in 3A with uh, Waverly Shell Rock. Um, you know, that, uh, well, we kind of talked about it with, uh, you know, Southeast Polk and, and Bettendorf being able to challenge. Uh, we kind of wondered what, you know, what maybe Linmar and, and City High could do. But, uh, you know, Waverly Shell Rock, uh, uh really had a nice tournament and they did that with one of their leaders kind of going down in uh, McCray Hagerty, but uh, they came away, you know, uh, they ended up beating Southeast Polk by 16 points, but I think it was, it didn't seem that close. If that makes sense. I think they were in control the majority of the time. Um, you know, Bentdorf was well back in third place. Um, but Waverly Shell Rock pulls off, uh, you know, the the sweep there. And, and they just wrestled really well all the way uh, throughout, you know, Ryder Block uh, winning his third title. Um, you know, I believe uh, Boz Diaz um, in the final at 145, I think it was. So, um Yep, champion. Yeah, so back to back there. Uh, uh, for those two, uh, his brother Danny uh, also won at 160. Um, like I mentioned, uh, uh, you know, McCray Hagerty, unfortunately, in the semifinals had an injury default, uh, hurt his shoulder, I think, at uh, the state duels, um, went as far as he could. Uh, and then injury defaulted to, uh, uh, or sorry, medical forfeits a term uh, to sixth place. He had Jake Walker, who was uh, uh, in the finals as well, um, getting second. But, um, you know, they really put together um, a strong tournament overall. Riker Graf uh, made the award stand for them as well, placing fourth at uh, 113. Um, but, you know, Waverly Shell Rock with uh, uh, another state title sweep. I think this is six, maybe, total for them, fifth or sixth uh, state team title sweeps um, over, uh, oh, I think, maybe a 15, 16-year period. Yep. This year is kind of special, though. Instead of two state titles, they won three state titles this year with the girls. Oh, with the, the girls as well. Right. So you got to try to mention that. Um, so, yeah. So they really uh, put together the uh, the state state sweep, didn't they? Right. And uh, you, know, you mentioned um, McCray Haggerty at, at 195. That was that was painful to watch. And you were right. It's, it's, it's called an injury default because it happened in the match. If it would have happened, it would have just not stepped out on the mat. It would have been a medical forfeit. But so it actually was an injury default. It, he tried to gut it out. He was wrestling. It was a tight match. It went into overtime. And 
he had already taken two injury defaults, I mean, uh, injury timeouts, and uh, you're only allowed to up to a maximum of 90 seconds. And he had not used, I mean, I think he used all of his 90 seconds as well, but in the, in the, uh, in the uh, uh, tiebreaker or sudden victory, uh, anyway, in the overtime, he, uh, he um, ended up just saying, I can't wrestle, I can't wrestle anymore. And, and so it had to injury, uh, injury default that match. And it was very painful because there's a two time, if I remember right, two time returning champ, right? That's yep. not able he was going for his third. Yeah. So, um, that was, that was painful for me to watch, you know, just you know, knowing the kid was hurting physically. And of course th that doesn't even pale to what's you know, the, the hurt inside that he has, you know, so anyway. Um, and then, you know, that, that, that's pretty impressive when you can take away because any medical forfeited the rest of his matches uh, to sixth place. Um, and uh, you know, so there's a guy that probably, I mean, who knows, but most likely certainly would have made the finals and, and uh, would have probably won the match or the, the state title again with a good shoulder. I mean, there's a good probability of that. So, you know, take away quite a number of points at, you know, from first to sixth place. So and that's that difference that you're talking about in team race. So it's nice that, that those teammates could, could carry that and, and still win the, the title. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, we had a couple of, uh, teams with some good showings you know Linmar ended up fourth at one time you know they were in second place uh after a really strong semi-final round uh city high crowned three champions and, and really uh interesting story with all three of city high all three of city high's champions um you gotta start off with ben keeter um you know Becoming uh, the 32nd four-time state champ in state history, he became the seventh uh, Iowa wrestler to complete an unbeaten uh, career, finishing 111 and 0. Uh, I believe 75 pins, and uh, closed this year at 39 and 0. Uh, wrestled a total of 26 seconds in his first two matches. Um, just absolutely dominant. Uh, went 153 in uh, uh, in the semifinals over Hogue from Lamars, who is a very, very good wrestler. Uh, and then I think it was similar to uh, the MVC finals that you saw. Uh, he scored a, a technical fall over. Uh, uh, Joe Lewis of Dubuque Hempstead, 19 to four in the finals uh, to finish that off. Um, you know, the thing that gets me is we, we just mentioned that in passing as if it's normal or we're just, we've just become numb to the fact that he's been this dominant and he's done it at an upper weight, which, you know, Doing it from a from the time he was a fifteen year old freshman is pretty impressive, right? And and to show kind of how impressive that is, thirteen of the fourteen matches uh, in the finals were decided by decision. Only his was 
was anything other than a regular decision. There wow, no, I did not no realize major, that. No majors, just his technical fault. I mean, you're talking about some quality kids. Now, that could also speak wow. to, to, uh, to some great matchups. Like, for instance, at 182, we'll talk about that in a minute. I mean, right. that, that obviously, that one's not going to be a, a, a major decision or anything. But, but uh, you know, that just kind of shows you with, with Ben Keeter. Because J.J. Lewis from Hempstead is a great wrestler. He yes. could score a point on him in the in the finals at the at the at the uh, MVC, and then uh, had four releases, you know, for takedowns. I think Ben was probably going to realize he would have a hard time pinning Lewis, and just uh, went for the technical fall. At least got him to the point where he could get it at any time, sort of thing. So, um, but that's Keeter, man. And you know, did you notice after they were done, the nice hug between each other, good sportsmanship, and and respect mm-hmm. Lewis to, to Keeter, but. That's pretty special. We had a special wrestler right there in Ben Keeter the last four years. Yeah. Um, and the thing too is, you know, in the tunnel, you see some, you see things in the tunnel that most fans aren't uh, really privy to or accustomed to, you know. Um, one, Joe Lewis, Jojo Lewis wasn't conceding anything you know he had a huge amount to climb and this tells you how much of a competitor he is he was expecting to climb it because afterwards he was you could tell he was visibly upset with not accomplishing his goals it didn't matter who was out there uh i think that's a testament to uh lewis because a lot of people might be thinking, hey, you know, I got second. I'll be part of history. Uh, he was a competitor. He was going out there to to win. He wasn't conceding anything. Um, uh, that that showed me a lot about uh, Lewis. Just you know, not unfortunately, he didn't get his ultimate goal. But the fact that he wasn't conceding anything. He was going out there to try to win um, and get a title of his own. Uh, wasn't able to do that, but I still have a ton of respect for Joe Lewis for seeing that he wasn't going to back down and he wasn't going to give in just because he was facing a world champ, somebody looking to, to make history, if that makes sense at all. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and a lot of times you see, and we've seen this in the past, when you have an elite uh, wrestler that you know potentially a four timer or whatever, you see a lot of people vacate that that weight class too. They'll go up or down, and uh, you know that might have happened to us a, a short degree, but you didn't see Lewis do that. You know, so you know again, kudos to him. Yeah. Um. So. Keeter joins really elite uh, company. Um, Talk to Corey Connell. Uh, you know, Corey Connell, a, a former state champ at uh, City High. Uh, he grew up uh, idolizing Jeff McGinnis, who was another one of those uh, uh, four-time undefeated champs. He thinks maybe the torch has passed from who he considered the greatest of all time, um, to who he coached and now thinks Ben Keeter kind of 
kind of has that on her now. How do you feel where Ben Keeter kind of fits in the, the pantheon of, of champions like that? Now, are you talking city high wrestlers or overall? No, all, of all time. All time. Uh, all, all over as far as accomplishments go at the high school level. Yeah, I mean, Iowa high school. At the high school level, Keeter is not going to show quite as impressive in terms of matches won because of COVID and the lack of matches and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. McGinnis was special, man. That guy, he was fun. He was slick. He was awesome to wrestle. But uh, was Jeff a world champ? Yes. So, so the two of them are in the world champ. Boy, I tell you what. <laughs> right now, it, to me, it's those two, both from City High. I mean, geez. That's that's impressive. And there's one other, wasn't there, a world champ that uh, um, at the high school level? Oh uh, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but not a four timer. Right, right, right. And I'm blanking on his name too. I remember when Keeter won his. Um, I'd have to go back and, and right. look it up. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's, so it's so to answer your question, I don't have an answer. <laughs> it's, it's those two. <laughs> it's those two. And I've been lucky enough to watch their careers, so that's neat. Yeah, and that, that's uh, you know I'm still torn. I still remember the way the way McGinnis wrestled. Um, you know, he was technically he was so so good. You know, um, Peters. Peter's technique and, and brute force. I mean, just the way he was so physically overwhelming to opponents, you know, outside of maybe Tate Nakaborn, you know, those guys had a couple battles together, you know, just nobody really could match or keep up with uh, Keeter physically. So, yeah, I I don't know. I I might be backing off uh, what I say or or uh, who I crown. Go, can they share it? <laughs> I think we're gonna have to share it. So if you look yeah. at, I mean, you can look at Keeter and say, "We well, did it." Was he at four different weights when he did it? At least three, three, three different weights. Three, and then. Yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, you can say that. Whereas McGinnis, uh, I don't. I mean, he might have been at. I don't know if he did three different weights or not. And then you can also say, well, well, on you know, to maybe su- to support the McGinnis camp and say, well, he did. Uh, Keeter did it at the upper weights, where maybe sometimes they're not as competitive and as and as deep as as some of the other weights, uh, particularly in the middle. You can say McGinnis wasn't afraid of competition. He moved up, you know, to Russell elite wrestlers like, you know, Mark Ironside, uh, you know, uh-huh. put that undefeated on the line. And, and uh, you know, so you, you've got, you're doing this and I'm going, I'm not doing it. <laughs> they're, they're, both. Yeah. <laughs> they're both impressive. I'm just kind of looking up here. Um, yeah, I know McGinnis started. At, I think McGinnis might have done it at four different weight classes. Kind of, yeah. Those lighter weights that are, you know, so competitive. But as you're looking, I'm going to, I'm going to 
diverted a little bit to Kale Seaton, who I'm just proud of that kid, man. That guy, you know, uh, you know, uh, was it three weeks, maybe a month prior to state? He didn't think he was going to be able to wrestle, you know, with his bad knee injury. And, you know, I happened to talk to him that Sunday after it happened and, and uh, on Saturday. And he didn't, he still was harboring hope and thought there was a chance. And what a good kid. Got to talk with him you know, a little bit at that Matt, uh, Matt Pack tournament. And uh, just a great kid. So to see him come back and win that title, I was really, really happy and excited for him. So, Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's one of the first things that, Corey Connell mentioned about uh, Kale Seaton in this in this situation was that uh, he was the most optimistic person, always a positive thought. Came back and told him, uh, "Hey, I'm 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 going." And Corey's like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll see." But it was it was like, "I'm going. I'm. I'm it's not as bad as." what everybody thinks I can do this. I can do it. And he's like, he was positive from the get go. The following Tuesday is when they met with the doctors and surgeons and they said, well, it's not great, but it could be a lot worse. And the good thing is if you can, if you can handle it, you're not going to, you're not going to hurt it any, you know, you're not going to hurt it any worse than it is right now. If you can stomach it, you, you know, give it a try. And he was, okay, I'm in. I, I believe and, Coach Connell said, nothing torn, everything stretched. So that's great news. That was what putting back on the mat. So, uh, and, and then it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to go do it. And, and that's exactly what he did. Um, really just a real impressive showing uh, for him. You know, he had his legs heavily taped up, open with a, a major decision. Um, then he beat uh, Anglo from Johnston, the number nine seed, five to two. Uh, beat uh, Golden from North Scott by major in the semis to reach the finals. And then had a battle with uh, Jabari Henson of Ames. Uh, for the championship, scored an escape in the final period to win four to three. So he uh, he was he had a real gutsy performance. Right, and I uh, Henson is the son of Dwight, correct? Is it? Is he? That's what uh, was said. Okay. Ironside in the broadcast, I believe. So uh, uh, Henson, I did not realize that, but now being able to connect the dots, it makes sense. So. Uh, now let's, let's talk about, uh, kind of the marquee matchup, I guess, on Saturday night, really, uh, 182, you had another, another classic between, uh, Gabe Arnold and Tate Knockborn, uh, Gabe Arnold coming away with another overtime victory in the series, uh, this time 2-1 and tiebreaker one. Uh, the MVC finals, I believe, was 3-2 in tiebreaker one, um, 3-1 in the duel, and then 8-3 in the Donnybrook in December. So four outstanding matches between these two nationally ranked wrestlers. Arnold going to Iowa, Knockborn going to Iowa State. But uh, 
there are some there are some flurries and scrambles in the last minute of regulation and then throughout overtime um, that really I think put fans on the edge of their seats and and entertained fully. Great flurries, and you're right. Um, it, you know, basically what happened is you have a sudden victory. No, and there's some flurries in there, but no no, dis, uh, no takedowns. So they went into tiebreaker, and then the first tiebreaker. Uh, Arnold took down, got the escape, and then in the second tiebreaker, Nakamura took down, and Arnold was able to ride him out for that 2-1. So very exciting even in that sense of it because there's some you know, opportunities that were pretty close that uh, Nakamura put himself up on his feet more than once or twice and and uh, was just not able to cut away and, and get that escape to tie it, to take it to the ultimate tiebreaker. But but, uh, that, you know, with that decision, there's been some discussion I see about people and how they're disappointed with the high school rule. Because basically, if you think about it, that match was could have been decided if it goes to t- ultimate tiebreaker by a coin toss that happened, you know, clear back in the second period, at the start of the second period. Because that's who gets their choice. They take down, get the f- first point. The first point gets to choose an ultimate tiebreaker whether they want top or bottom. So, mm-hmm. you know. Dead, you know that you know people are going. Well, let's put them back up on their feet. We want to see more of this fun action. <laughs> and uh, what it was, it, it, it didn't disappoint. I don't know that these guys will wrestle each other in college. I, I suspect that that uh, Nocturne might different weights based on his body frame and such. So um, uh, we'll see. But if they do, that'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. There, it'd be interesting. Some of the uh, postseason. Technically, you can't call them all-star meets or, or whatever, but it'll be interesting to see if they might decide to run it a fifth time um, at one of these uh, postseason uh, senior senior duels or something. All-star meets, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, one of the things about Tate Nakaborn that is going to stand out. Um, he might be one of the best wrestlers that won't be on some of these lists just because of who he had to wrestle along the way. So, like, when you look at, say, NBC champs uh, throughout the – you know, there, there's a long list of four-time MVC champs, three-time MVC champs. He won one MVC title, one conference title. His freshman year, he faced Ben Keeter. Wrestled a very, very close match with Ben Keeter and the two. Ben, two of Ben Keeter's closest matches in his entire high school varsity career have been to Tate Nakamura. Uh, one year, COVID canceled the MVC meet. The other year, Gabe Arnold beat him in, you know, tiebreaker uh, by one point. He's a two-time champ, four-time final, four-time finalist, an outstanding accomplishment. Being a two-time state champ, uh, outstanding accomplishment. He was two points away from being a four-time champion. 
and he lost the two outstanding, you know, lost to Ben Keeter by a point their freshman year in the 160 finals. Lost by a point to Gabe Arnold uh, in the 195 finals his senior year. Um, you know, the second four-time finalist for Linmar joining Jay Borschel, who was a four-time champ. You know, he no doubt Tate has put together one of the best high school careers uh, in the metro area, if not among you know high school wrestlers in general. Right. And, you know, you can find that just about anywhere at any level, I imagine, maybe not quite to that degree, to that level. But, you know, like I'm thinking, there's a guy on the University of Iowa wrestling team that's going for his fourth national title, but not his fourth Big Ten title. Right. <laughs> and then, that's a good point. And I had a wrestler that was a state champion that was never an MVC champion. Hmm. So really? about that one for a minute, but uh, um, actually probably more than one. But uh, Tim Ironside, who oh yeah, never never won a conference title, but was a was a state champion. So uh, you know, so you kind of get that on different levels. But boy, not to the, the level of of uh, Nakaborn. That's that's so impressive. Jeez. Yeah, and one of the things, boy, I can't remember where I saw it or who might have posted. I think it was a social media post. Uh, we saw Tate at a lot of the girls' uh, competitions, cheering him on. Yeah. After after his season comes to a close, where is he at this week? He is at a junior high meet, um, cheering on wrestlers at at the lower level and showing his support. And you know. There are a lot of wrestlers who give back, and there are a lot of people that do things. Tate Nakaborn has shown, uh, you know, off the mat, he is a big of a promoter and role model and supporter uh, as Linmar has ever had. Right. And, and I, I don't know if you've noticed. I know you have. He, he brings a lot of fun to it. Uh, yeah. For instance, you see him – uh, before ma his matches, you know, warming up, he's got a cowboy hat on. You know, he's just got that kind of playful playfulness to him that brings fun. Yeah. And that's got to be fun for teammates to be around. And then the little guys to see. Remember, you know, remember the Christmas sweater before uh, yeah. we went to the holiday break. Right. Forgot about that. <laughs> Those fun things that, that uh, you know, kind of keep you relaxed and at, at ease. And, and uh, But, you know, that's also the culture at Lindmark. You know that you know I, he's not the only one that's at those middle school meets or at those youth meets helping and, and that sort of thing. And that's that's that that wrestling community that you know that that they that they built. And so kudos to them. And Linmar's got a lot of those kids are back. You know, I think he's the is he the only one that's graduating off this? I, I think Park uh, is a senior as well. Park, you're right. And uh, so, but, but they, the rest of them are back. Yeah. So you know, and then they've got others to fill in now. So. Uh, Yep, I, like they have between the boys and the girls at middle school level, just short of a hundred kids. Wow, ninety-five or six or something like that. So, wow, that's impressive. And they had an impressive showing down Des Moines. You know, Tate was in the final. They had a, a program record four finalists, excellent semifinal round. 
uh, Braden Park uh, reached the 132 uh, finals. Caden Nakaborn pinned his way to the 138 final. Uh, Grant Cress with a big overtime victory and uh, at 152 over Anderson of Ankeny uh, to reach the, the finals. Uh, so they had four runner-up uh, finishers, and then Malik DeBow also placed uh, for the second straight year. So a really strong showing uh, for them, one of the best in program history. And the other thing about the balance, I'm pretty sure eight out of their ten qualifiers won at least two matches. Uh, Grant Boddicker had a great run to the quarterfinals, even though – he uh, just missed the, the podium, but um, everybody seemed to contribute uh, down Des Moines, which helped them uh, finish fourth. Right. You mentioned uh, DeBoe is a two-time medalist as a sophomore, so he's got a chance to be a four-time medalist, and obviously he wants to climb on top of that podium, but uh, mm -hmm. good job with him. Yep. Um, any other uh, comments from 3A? Um, uh, if you, I mean, other than the obvious outstanding wrestler, who would you be the honorable mention, the number two? Uh, this might be an easy choice, too. So uh, other than well, ben, who would you throw in as? The, the, first, the first one that comes to mind, I think, obviously, Gabe Arnold, just because of the, um, the, the finals. Um, you know... Um, 120 was loaded with with top end talent. Kofax Christensen, um, coming away with a title in, in that group. I'd have to say Drashawn Ross of Fort Dodge being a freshman champ at 195. It kind of got Nakborn Teeter vibes a little bit with uh, Ross and. And Mickle being freshman in an upper weight final there. Um, I don't know. I guess the I guess the easy pick would just be Gabe Arnold. Right. Uh, and then maybe Koufax Christensen after that for me. I kind of went Peter, Arnold, and then uh, Ryder Block. But oh, sure. you mentioned you mentioned freshmen. Let's let's shout this out because you had three freshman champs, if I remember right. You've got Alex Alex Pierce, mm -hmm. Iowa City West. <laughs> Six champ. We saw that one for that. Remember that first meet we called uh, down in Iowa City? Boy, you knew that guy was something special then. And he he proved it, won that title. And then Jake Knight from Bettendorf won it 113. Yep. And uh, so three freshman champs. So, um, boy, that uh, that uh, um, Ross at, at 95, man, he's just a good looking wrestler. <laughs> he is. He is. And the interesting thing is, um, among the four timers, I don't think we've had a father set. We've had brother duos, um, complete that, that feat, right? Ooh. I don't think we've had a father son ever do that. Let me, I know we were close, uh, with the lights, maybe was with the lights. Uh, no father son with the lights, they were, uh, uh, Shane, Shane won four titles. Uh, I won three, and Zach, I believe, won one. Okay. Uh, the Happels, uh, the brothers, Kale and Carter, won four piece. 
Yeah. Um, but Dean was a three timer. I see. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Uh, the the writers uh, were brothers at uh, one four. Um, Mac about, and Bart. Morning Star. I know uh, Scott. Let's see. Scott was a four timer, and Ryan was a three timer. Okay. Um, so with Dan Knight winning four titles from eighty four to eighty seven, Jake uh, has one down, three to go. Um, but very well, uh, we could see, and, uh, you know, there's still a lot of, a lot of things to go on between now and then, but, um, we, we could be in store for our first father, son, four time combo, which would be, be pretty neat for, uh, the Knights. We'll talk about that in four years. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, right, right. Um, let's switch to 2A. Uh, Osage, the first time in school history to sweep team titles. They had a fantastic tournament. Um, you know, they had things locked up by Friday afternoon, uh, pretty much. Um, but you know, the Green Devils, no surprise there. They they've they've made a case for being one of the top teams in the state, regardless of. Um, regardless of class, and they showed it. They put up 175 and a half points, 69 more than runner-up uh, West Burlington Notre Dame, which, again, another uh, great state tournament for them. They get the most out of the guys they take down there, always the quantity, uh, quality over quantity uh, uh, group with them. And then Mount Vernon, Mount Vernon with a – School record, six medalists, uh, had their first freshman finalists in Jace Jaspers uh, since Greg Randall won the first of his four titles in 1979. Uh, but, but the Mustangs, really strong performance to finish third, edging uh, West Delaware by a point and a half for third place in the trophy. Tiny best. The school's best finish has, has been third in the past a couple times. You know, I'm actually surprised to hear that that six medalists is the best in Mount Vernon history. I, I would have thought they would have had that prior to this year. So that's a really good job. I mean, it's fun to watch Mount Vernon this year. Really good team balanced up and down the line. And, you know, West Delaware as well, who, you know, again, I think walks away maybe a little disappointed. Um, you know, West Elmer is always looking to win it. Uh, this year might have been a stretch with Osage being so strong, but but uh, um, you know, when you're walking away at the fourth place trophy, that's not a bad thing, right? <laughs> right. Right. And they had a champ in Cam Guther. Uh, I I tell you, one of the um, one. Of, Probably one of the most emotional moments that I can remember um, at state was when he won his semifinal match. When he edged Corver Hupke of Independence, their fourth battle uh, of the season. Um, 
you know, before this, it was two and one in favor of Guther. He won a hard fought battle. Get to the finals. Big, big hug for one of his uh, coaches in the corner. Then when he was coming off the mat, he's greeted by Logan Payton, who said, I love you. I love you. And then gave him a big hug. Uh, he comes off. Mitch Payton, the assistant coach, is right there waiting for him. Uh, you know, cheering. The crowd is, you know, just ecstatic and, and cheering loudly for him as he's going to the tunnel. Uh, his classmate, Will Ward, another medalist for West Delaware, is at the front of the tunnel, just, you know, grinning from ear to ear. And then going into the tunnel to kind of make sure to catch him when he gets in there uh, for post-match interviews with the rest of the media. There's this receiving line of West Delaware wrestlers and coaches, you know, just waiting for him to come down so they can congratulate him. Uh, he gave his uh, uh, club coach a, a big hug. And, you know, this is, this is, these are the stories that are cool because the reason why everybody, one of the reasons why everybody was so vested in him or excited for his success was that junior high never won a match before he got into high school, never won a match his freshman year. He won 10. He said, uh, didn't wrestle as a sophomore because he weighed 340, Couldn't make, uh, the heavyweight limits state place winner last year, uh, constantly driving the club practices with Wyatt Volker, Wyatt Volker, a huge, uh, influence on him and had an impact, kind of a mentor. Um, came down for the finals uh, uh, to watch him, um, but ended up closing out his career. He went from winless in junior high to a state champion in senior year. Um, it's just a real, real neat story. That's a great story for sure. Jeez. Um, Man, and, and congratulations to him. And and uh, I mean, you can see what listening to you, how the impact and, and, and he's a good kid because you don't get that sort of a response if you're not a good kid. You know, coming through the tunnel and I love you, I love you, and hugs from coaches and and uh, Wyatt coming down to to support him and you know uh, you know kind of the big brother that he evidently was. And so that's that's a great story. Now uh, it, it kind of leads me. One more, one more thing about it too, and one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, he talked about getting a. So Wyatt's at you and I. Wyatt's training, focusing on you know, uh, his development at you and I. Before the semifinal match with Hubkey, uh, Guther admitted to being nervous, and he gets a text from from Wyatt Volker that says, Hey, no matter what happens, you're still my boy. You're still my guy. Cam Guther said that immediately allowed me just to relax because it made me realize, go out, wrestle, whatever happens, the result, just go out and wrestle hard the result doesn't matter in a sense, right? Because he still has the support. He still has people that care 
care about him when he gets off the mat, regardless of what he does. And I thought that was something that was pretty cool and something that obviously meant a lot to Cam. Right. And the semifinal match that we're speaking of leads me to this point. So you'll see my point here in just a second. But I'm going to start with, I think the seating committee did a pretty decent job this year. On the, at the 3A level, 13 of the 14 fi finalists were top four seats. The only exception was McCray Haggerty, who got injured and likely would have been. So they probably would have been 14 for 14 there. On, on 2A and 1A, they were 11 of 14 with the top four seats. And the other ones weren't too far off. They had a couple that went deep. In this instance, it, one probably the biggest instance in 2A for sure was at 285, where the number two seed was nowhere near the finals uh, and actually got beat early on. But uh, so um, my point for that is that semifinal match between Corver, uh, Corver Hupke and, and, uh, and uh, Cam Cameron were, was was maybe the likely the finals match. I mean, that, you know, we used to see that in the old format. You could get them second, third, fourth round, you know, those right. final matches. In this instance, it was probably that semifinal match. Winner of that's probably going to win it because you know, then you have the, 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 uh, the, the um, I think it was the 10th seed. Uh, 14. 14th, 14th seed, wasn't he? 14th seed. Yeah, there we go. And, you know, every way anything can happen, but, but, uh, you know, so that my point there was, you know, that semifinal match was not only you know, a rematch of all the matches they've had throughout the, you know, the course of their, their careers, but that one was likely the finals match. So uh, made it even more important. Exactly. Okay. Um, you know, Union had a couple of champs, uh, you know, their lightweight duo of uh, Braden Bonesack at 106. Uh, Jace uh, Hedeman at uh, uh, 113. Hedeman winning his second title. Uh, thought it was kind of interesting with Braden Bonesack. Uh, Jace Hedeman uh, told our Rob Gray about uh, how it was it was good to see uh, Braden down at his natural weight because Hedeman was at 106 last year. Bonesack, I think Bart Mailer, if I remember hearing from Jim Nelson of the Courier. Uh, Mailer even had Bonesack wrestle a match or at like 126 uh, at one at one time um, over the last two years where he was that uh, that high. Um, so he's done everything and anything for the team to kind of go uh, to a different weight class. Now he's down to kind of a more natural natural weight for him. Uh, he comes away with a state title at 106, and then Hedeman, who I think is – I'd like to see a DNA test on Jace Hedeman. Uh, I don't know if he's a, an exact clone of uh, Max Thompson, but I tell you what, there's uh, – there might you might make a case that uh, Jace Hedeman is Max Thompson's mini-me um, a little bit, and he's, of course – on pace uh, to match Max Thompson going two for two in state titles. Right. And it's, and it's interesting that, you know, you see this many, many times and a lot in this, in the, in the tournament here that you have one wrestler that's a state champ and another one that's, that's, you know, that's a, a weight above or below that's his workout partner. 
that, that also becomes that high medalist or state champ. In this case, both were state champs. And, and then also uh, 32 and 38 with Green County. And then I know there was another one, another couple throughout the course of the tournament in that, in that respect. Um, oh, Columbus Catholic. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. You just, when you've got those, those partners and friends that are, that have, you know, equal goals in your, in your, and you have that championship mentality. It's it's fun to watch that that spread and share that. So, anyway, it was nice between Bonesack and 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 Heedeman there. Uh, for sure. Um, you know, Kale Peterson. You mentioned Green County. Kale Peterson uh, becoming a three time champ uh, there as well, winning at one thirty two. Um, okay, so you asked me about three A, who you're. Uh, uh kind of your mvp was uh what about yours for for two a who did who do you think really kind of uh stood out as far as um champions go so okay so i'm gonna surprise you a little bit maybe <coughs> so everyone had their eyes focused on the three a man i th i'm picking my ow in two a C.J. Waldron, really, and he really killed it in the finals. But we, were, everyone was watching three A. He the guys over there, just <laughs> and uh, he did such a good job. And that's a bold pick because you just mentioned a three-time state state champion. But you know, if you pick the tournament, he just had a great tournament. Let's see, he had I, I don't know pins and I don't know exactly what he did throughout the tournament. But I know it was very very good. So. Uh, that's that's my pick, and, and between you know my honorable mention Peterson, and I'm going to go with Bonesack too in there. I throw him in there as well. He had a great tournament. Really, um, I, I kind of uh, agree wholeheartedly with uh, Walrath. Um, you know, he he was just dominant um, all the way through, and I, I think he was just one of those individuals that. You know, you, you never really write a champion in Penn down in Des Moines because, you know, anything can happen. But he's one of those guys that, uh, I'll tell you what, he he was a man on a mission. And you just kind of knew that he was going to, you know, that he was going to, he was going to be the top guy there. Uh, real dominant tournament uh, from him. And of course, he was he was that way in his uh, pin on Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to mention a couple performances, not necessarily MVP guys, but uh, you know Dawson Bond of Red Oak. Um, he had he had some battles that he just found a way to get through to win the 160 pound title. Uh, he edged Logan Payton of uh West Delaware in the quarterfinals. Uh then he beat Max Gast of Osage in the semis. Uh and then he outlet he edged uh a Cole Budikoffer of Presswood, uh the number two seed three to two in the finals. Uh he put together uh, a nice run at three really hard fought uh matches to to close things out. Um you know, another one, uh, uh, Blake Fox at 120, uh, the freshman for, for Osage. Man, I was so close. After watching him compete, um, 
at the state duels, you just kind of thought, hey, this was uh, somebody that was pretty special. I know Brent Jennings said some really good things about him. Uh, his big win was in the, the semifinals over Carson Doolittle of Webster City, uh, knocking off the top seed there and then finishing off uh, with an 8-2 win over Vinnie Mayberry of uh, uh, Glenwood. So two really good performances. Like Really like the uh, uh, Walrath pick from uh, West Burlington, Notre Dame, though. For, and let's not forget, uh, too, a West Burlington, Notre Dame uh, teammate, uh, Isaiah Fenton, who uh, knocked off top-seeded Cooper Sanders of Vinton Shellsburg 10-3 in the final. Um, Sanders, uh, uh, two-time state finalist. Um, so that was a good one for, for Fenton. Yeah, I mean, so many up and down the line, good stories yeah. and kind of mild upsets. And I guess I threw Bonsack in there because he beat Carter West, speaking Notre, Notre Dame, West Burlington. So um, sure. that's a pretty impressive win right there. For right sure. Uh, let's uh, let's switch to 1A. Um, but, you know, in uh, in 3A, and I know some of this has to do with the expanded fields, right? So some of this is going to be a little bit inflated just because you might have more matches, more chance for bonus points, you know, more wrestlers in the, the field. Um, but the number of uh, teams in Class 1A that, uh, that surpassed 100 points, you know, you had uh, – what was it, uh, eight teams that uh, that passed 100 points in, in Class 3A. In Class 1A, you had five teams uh, that reached or surpassed the, uh, the century mark uh, in scoring. And, of course, uh, Don Bosco comes away with a win, uh, 165 points, uh, about 26 more than – uh, Wilton, Nashua Plainfield had an extremely good tournament. Uh, they finished third. Alburnett, uh, very impressive as well. Uh, they're at fourth. And then Waterloo Columbus, three champs. Uh, Maximus Magena, uh, then uh, uh, Hearts and Knip uh, winning titles. Um, good showing for Waterloo Columbus as well. But it's the Dons coming away with their third straight title sweep. You know, I'm going to throw one in a local team in that was it maybe four years ago had maybe seven kids on their team that took 11th this this year at 1A at uh, Belle Plaine. Uh, just a real nice tournament by Belle Plaine and their wrestlers. And, and what a turnaround with that. I mean, it's like, are we going to have a program a couple of years ago? So right. Uh, yeah, they ended up with three medalists. Um, Connor Tim was third at 160. Uh, then you had Jack Schwen, uh, fourth at 195, and Chase Wickwire, um, eighth at 182. Um, interesting story about Jack Schwen. Um, unable to, unable to wrestle last year because football season 
uh, that school year, he suffered spinal fractures. Uh, spinal fractures kept him out last season. Uh, limited what he could do this year. I think it cut him down to maybe a half a year. Uh, and then he's able to come through and, and get fourth at 195, overcoming all of that uh, uh, and the serious injury. So just to piggyback what you said about Bell Plain getting 11th, uh, what a what a performance from Jack Schwen, who who is really, uh, I guess you could say, been through hell and back uh, as far as injuries over the last uh, you know year and a half. What a great story! And I just that whole program, just a real nice job out there with the Plainsman, and uh, you know that used to be back in the in the Al Billings days, so a real strong strong program, and then. Then uh -huh. strong, uh, then uh, followed there, Bob Yillick, as it's going to say, and then uh, you kind of dipped down after that, and and now it's good to see him back up there. Yep. So hopefully they keep building out there as well. Uh, Lisbon, uh, Lisbon had a pair of champs and and got sixth. Um, undefeated champs. On the two undefeated champs, exactly right, with Brandon Paez at one twenty and heavyweight Wyatt Smith. Um, Let's just uh, well, let's just touch on on those two, um, especially Piaz. Um, finishes uh, his career going first, second, first, first. Uh, ended his career with, I believe, a seventy three match win streak. Um, was we we talk about dominant wrestlers and uh, his performance at one twenty was outstanding. Um, had two pins, uh, got a pin in the finals, um, open with a pin, and then in between that had two 16-0 technical falls. He outscored his opponents, if you include the uh, leads when he got a pin uh, in the first in the first round in the finals. He outscored his opponents 42-0. Um, he had an 8-0 lead in the first round when he got a pin, was up 2-0 when he got uh, an early pin in the finals. Um, and then, like I said, 2-16-0 um, technical fall. So, uh, Brian uh, Brandon Paez, absolutely uh, dominant. Um, and, of course, uh, I think a lot of people know his story. Came to came to Lisbon with a group from, from Las Vegas. Uh, Really, really thrived at Lisbon. Um, he's going to go to UNI now. He talked about how how much he he's loved the Lisbon community, and now Iowa's going to be his home. He loves it here. Um, going to go to school, college here. Um, this is now this is now his home, and and uh, talked about how Lisbon the community and the support that he's gotten there not only made him a better wrestler, but a better person, um, you know, and, and he always, even after he won, he talked about taking it in stride and how the journey was so much more than the destination. Um, and, uh, and you can see how that kind of rang true for him. Right. And to, and to show you the significance of that pin that he had in the finals, of the 48 finals matches, if I if I my research was right, 
I believe only three of them were ended in fall. And so really? his, Gable Porter's, and then uh, C.J. Walworth. And I, we forgot to mention, at the 182, you had three Division One wrestlers there, you know, with Nakamura going to Iowa State, Arnold going to Iowa, and Walworth uh, intending to go to UNI. So when you brought up UNI, that made me think about that with uh, – Oh, sure. Paez. So uh, back to, back to Lisbon though with Paez, what a what a great career here in, in Iowa and at Lisbon, good fit. Yeah, Brad Smith. Brad Smith has coached a lot of really really good wrestlers, and he said, you know, Paez is right up there with the best of them that he's ever coached as far as just how good he is technically and how, um, oh. Um, he he just never he just never gives in and you know just keeps just keeps going like his example was the bar arm that he got the pin in, in the finals where he he got it locked up and kept driving the kid fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it but he was relentless there we go that's the that's the word I was looking for he just was unrelenting and the kid just couldn't fight it anymore. And Pius turned him and, and pinned him. And, you know, his his technical wrestling, his, you know, relentless approach, mm-hmm. um, that's made him one of the, the best uh, wrestlers that Brad said he's ever uh, or coached. And, and hey, let's, uh, let's give kudos to, to Brad Smith, the Grand March uh, Marshall. Um, and then had a coach to uh, two wrestlers, the titles after leading the grand March um, Saturday night. So that was a pretty cool experience for him. So it was everything he thought it would be pretty neat. That is cool. Um, and kudos to, to Albert Burnett. I think they had an outstanding tournament. We, we suspected they might, but boy, I, I thought they stepped up, uh, stepped up and wrestled above their seats, seeds in a, in a few spots and just had a great tournament. Um, yeah, you know, as a coach, you've been through it so many times. You know, the, those Saturday morning Conti semifinals are so tough. You know, a uh, few of those guys were coming on the backside of, you know, having their state tournament or state title runs come to a close. Uh, and what they did Saturday morning, where they went eight and one. Um, in that, in that consolation session, I mean, it was pretty, that, that's something you don't see very often. And that, that was a huge boost uh, for them to go along with Rowdy Neighbor um, as a runner-up at 113. Right. I mean, and, and they're, sadly, they're a half a point out of third. Sadly for Alburnett. Not so sadly yeah. uh, for, uh, uh, for the uh, third-place team. Uh, Natural playing field. Uh, thank you. Natural playing field. And uh, um, but anyway, um, you know, man, how can you ask much more than that? It's, it means that's so such a great. I mean, yeah, uh, Tate Kufal. I don't remember what he was seated, but he finished third. I know he wasn't seated third. So good. No, I think he was seated sixth. Sixth. So it wrestled well there. Um, and then you've got at at thirty eight, uh, Brody Neighbor, who's at beat Kale Bridgewater, the number one seed, twice in the tournament, who had lost to throughout the season at least twice, I think. Yep. Good turnaround there. You know, 
sad and sorry for for Kale Bridgewater, but you know Brody Neighbor, good job, man. Um, they, they they finished third and fourth in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just up and down the line, you know, good stories with Albernet. So, yeah, you know, Rowdy Neighbor. Uh, you know, he talked about last year uh, as a freshman where he got sick, and I think he ended up finishing eighth. Wasn't happy about it. Um, you know, I believe he came in as the fourth or fifth seed. Um, beat Eli uh, Becerra, the defending state champ from Missouri Valley, the top seed in the semifinals. Beat him 2-0, big reversal in the uh, third period after a ride out in the second. Um, you know, really impressive. Uh, talking to Clayton Rush afterwards, uh, nerves. Might have kind of hit in when he, you know, kind of affected him a little bit for the, the finals against Morrow of Akron and Westfield. Um, you know, Rush wasn't using that as an excuse. Said that may not have, you know, been, you know, it may still not have won, but he was he was affected by uh, nerves a little bit and a learning experience, you know. So it's a good thing, good way for him to kind of build on for for next year and. Uh, regardless of uh, how the finals turned out a heck of a tournament from Rowdy neighbor um, for Albernet. Yep. The neighbors had a good turn of both brothers there. So yeah. Yep. yep. And the interesting thing with Albernet is I think, I think they only have two seniors that are graduating with Brody neighbor and Carson Klosterman who also came back and got third, I believe. Um, I think those are the only two uh, qualifiers who are seniors. So um, Albert, that's not going anywhere. And if they are, it's upward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, that's right. Yeah, that's going to be nice. Uh, one, other, one other team that deserves at least our comment for sure, Columbus uh, Catholic. Man, they, wow, they had a great – run with their three champions wow and you know put, put them into fifth place as a team so yeah and that's uh i tell you what they you know especially mason Knipp, uh coming away with a 3-1 uh victory over uh, jared theory of don bosco in the finals um you know that that was a big win theory uh uh, one of the state's best, and Knip, of course, the grandson of former Waterloo East coach uh, Steve Knip, as well. So uh, you know that with Carson Hartz, who uh, who beat Caden Ballou in the finals. Caden Ballou from Midland came in as the number fifteen seed. Um, you know, and just really. Uh, hammered his way to the the finals. I believe he uh, eventually lost to Wilton's Caden uh, Shirk in the semis to to make the finals. But uh, good showing by Baloo. Carson Hart's also uh, um, getting that back to back title with Maximus Magina, uh, who is now a three time champ and has a chance to become a four timer uh, next season for for Columbus. Right, and I mentioned I mentioned that the seating committee did a good job at 182 with Baloo, who was mentioned was the 15th seed. 
I was looking at that. I don't I don't know who beat who and didn't really dig it, but he is the 15th seed with a 45 and four record. And he then mm-hmm. the number two seed, beat the number three seed seven to two, beat the 10th and 18th seed. But you know, there's a guy that clearly wrestled way above his seed. And you know, I was looking at some of their records and there was decent records in there. Uh, but so I don't know who beat who to put him clear down to 15th seed, but that one might have been one they missed there so good job by by Caden Blue from Midland that's awesome yeah you know I think a lot of attention was on Arnold and Nakaborn but 1A also had kind of a similar marquee matchup I guess you would say uh at 160 with Wyatt Reese and Dominic Lopez uh Dominic Lopez set the all-time wins um record in the state of Iowa um, I believe he finished at 222 overall, maybe after this weekend. Um, but he faced Wyatt Reese of uh, Logan Magnolia in the 160 pound finals. Uh, Reese, uh, a two time champ, going for his third. Lopez, a, a four time medalist. Um, and of course, that didn't disappoint. Uh, Reese with a takedown and sudden victory to win six to four and become a three time champ, finishing his senior year, uh, 52 and 0. That finals loss, the only blemish on uh, Dominic Lopez's record this year, he finished 57 and one. So, uh, you had, you had these two coming in with a combined 108 wins, and White Reese, uh, was able to finish that off. Very impressive. 220. Holy cow. That's like eight years with the wrestling. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, one thing to point out, um, and actually I probably would have overlooked this uh, a little bit if it hadn't been for uh, Cody Goodwin mentioning it. Um, Blake Allen of Underwood coming away with a state title at 138. Um now, the Avalas and Robert uh, Avila Jr. and Janelle Avila uh, won state titles, technically the first uh, to win state titles. Um, Avila's was an Iowa Wrestling Coaches and Officials Association Girls State Wrestling Tournament title. Um, but uh, the Allens, Blake Allen, uh, Molly Allen, um, who won at the uh, IG, the Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union uh, first sanctioned tournament. They become the first brother-sister duo to win sanctioned state titles um, between the two of them and, and joining the Avalas um, as uh, high school state champs. I have no doubt that we're going to see more of that because you've got, I mean, we- Wrestling families, and particularly now that the girls are getting going, uh, you know, in force, uh, then uh, you're gonna. I think you're gonna see more of that for sure. Very nice job. So KJ, who's your one A outstanding wrestler? Oh, you know, you could go. You could go a ton of different ways. Um, boy. You know, I guess, I guess I'm gonna play the role of Homer here. 
And I'm going to go with Brandon Piaz just because of, you know, this being a, him becoming a four-time finalist, uh, finishing it off with 74 straight wins, being as dominant as he was, um, finished in this year 53-0. and all. I'm going to give the nod to Brandon Piaz just above uh, Wyatt Reese at, at 160. Okay. So I'm going a different direction. I'm going with three-timer, finished with a technical fall, 16-0 and 0, uh, was the score in the match, and uh, that's Max McGann. Uh, at one, okay. So he's my, he's my pick. I just thought he had a fabulous tournament, had three pins in the technical fall, and, uh, and then not far behind him is Paez, and then also I got Porter in there as well, too. Sure, sure. So. No, I, I mean, you know, Maximus from the from the his freshman season, uh, he has been abs- one of the top wrestlers in in the state, you know. And he had a another fantastic tournament and stuff. Almost almost one of those wrestlers you kind of take for granted a little bit. You just kind of know he's gonna he's gonna dominate, you know, um, and you really should appreciate how well he competes and, and how dominant he really is. So that's a good choice. I, I, I like that as well. Another thing about McGann is he, it's a couple of things. One, I'd like to think that he's the kind of impetus that brings those other guys into the, into the fold. You know, he might be the leader of that. You know, remember we had two other champs, so three total champs there. And, right. And, and uh, so, you know, you've got that. But then also, he's not a guy that uh, that shies away from competition. He goes out looking for it. He'll move up weights to get tougher matches. He'll, you know, he can't move down weights, but you know, he'll he'll uh, uh, be looking for those tougher matches to get, uh, you know, uh, you know, to wrestle the best. So I like that, man. No, for sure. And you mentioned the the back to back wrestlers, uh, you know, that usually are probably banging heads and in practice day in and day out, right. That are pushing each other. Um, so your hardest competition is going to be in the practice room and make things easy when you step out onto the mat and competition. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, you got Magena at 70, you've got Carson Hartz at 182, and then you have Mason Knip at 220, all, you know, three out of a four weight class span, yeah, three champs. So that tells you a little bit about um, those guys pushing each other and making each other better. Dynamic is probably uh, Max pulling those guys up with him. That's kind of the suspicion I get, but I mean, obviously those guys got to do the work and be there, but. Right, right. You got that, and, and and you know, uh, I when I was working Iron Char- Sharpens Iron, those guys were over there, got to talk to dad and and uh, get to know him a little bit, and very impressive, uh-huh. very impressive. So, all right, uh, so that really kind of puts a cap on the uh, the high school uh, seasons, uh, really special winner, uh, I think. Um, any any final thoughts as far as high school goes or for this last week uh, down in Des Moines? Nope, I'm just excited because there's 
like we mentioned, so many teams that are, have, that are young and going to be probably stronger next year. You know, in our area, Albernet, Linmar, you know, this is going to be stronger, it seems like. So. Oh, and one, one thing uh, that, that we should mention, uh, Rihanna Utterbach of Sigourney Kyoto, um, you know, she ended up uh, wrestling with the boys team, even though the sport was sanctioned on the, the, with the girls union. Uh, but Sigourney Kyoto, she was the only uh, uh, female wrestler that went out. They didn't have a sharing agreement or an opportunity for her, so she had her choice. Uh, she elected to go out for the uh, the boys team. She came in as the number eight seed, qualified as the eight seed at 106 and finished eighth to become the second uh, female to uh, uh, place at the – Iowa High School Athletic Association State Tournament, joining Megan Black, uh, who was eighth for Eddieville, Blakesburg, Fremont in 2012. Um, and this very, this very well could be the the last time um, as well, because it sounds like there are some middle school, junior high girls coming up through the Sigourney Kyoto program that will allow them to have a team uh, here in the future. So uh, we might see the the end of, uh, or at least the last, the second and last uh, female to place at the, the boys state meet. I think that opportunity goes away, if not this year, maybe next year, because then, then they have to go to the girls, I believe. Right. And kudos to her, because I know she had that opportunity to go either way, but wanted to go to the boys, felt like it was better competition to prepare her for wrestling in college where she wants to go to the University of Iowa and be part of that program. So, All right. Any other parting uh, party shots or last words for okay. I go make sure my sidewalk is passable? Great high school season. So a lot of fun. Let's finish out the college season. Yep. Should be a fun month here, kind of going forward at all levels from NCAA Division One, Two, II, and Three to – NAIA and, and JUCO as well. So um, make sure you get out and follow along as uh, college postseason arrives. And as always, can't let's, end this uh, any other way. Let's keep wrestling on the move. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.